You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. You know, nobody has, nobody asked me questions about this. They all took it for granted that they thought they knew. They, nobody's ever asked me what, what happened. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of sick metal shows here in Montreal all year long, but more than that, they also put on one of North America's best metal festivals, and that is the absolute truth. I have played festivals all across the globe, and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. Coming up real soon, they have an amazing show with Ginger and Suicide Silence at MTELUS. If you do not have your tickets for that, you absolutely should go and pick them up, and you can do that via the link in the description of this podcast, because that show will sell out. I'm super stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I will also like to ask you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there is someone in your life that enjoys metal or craft beer, make sure to tell them about the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You can tell them that there are over 290 episodes with some of the world's best metal musicians available for them to listen to on the podcast platform of their choice. If you were to encourage one of your friends to become a future Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, on today's episode, I'm with Ingve Bolt Christensen, the vocalist of Blood Red Throne. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 298. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Ingve Bolt Christensen of Blood Red Throne. Bolt, how are you doing? It's been a long time since we've had the pleasure of hanging out and drinking some beers together. How are you doing? I'm always good, man. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what life throws at me, I'm always happy. Which is why I always like to start off on a shitty question so we could have fun later is uh, how did you cope with these years of a pandemic? How did you cope? Oh, it's been awesome. It was awesome. It's been great, man. Yeah. I suddenly, you know, I, I used to like to drink alone. And and this year I've been like one of the cool kids instead of the, the un- antisocial one. <laughs> so I, I, I've just been at home drinking and listening to music that I like, dancing in my living room and having fun, you know. So pandemic was awesome. It, it was super amazingly shitty not to be on stage because that's the one thing I like more than drinking alone. <laughs> but other than that, I've been really happy during this year. It's been a good year to get your brain, your mind, your mind settings and everything else in order, you know, to focus and, and get ready for a city life without a pandemic. 
it's going to come back. We're going to be back on stage soon enough. And uh, luckily yeah. today, you don't have to drink alone because I'm going to drink with you because Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music and craft beer. What beer are we going to be drinking there? What beer are you drinking right there? Oh, I'm so sorry to disappoint everyone. I'm gluten intolerant, man. Really? Okay. Yeah, I used to be really into tasty beers and dark beers and whatever beer I could find with high alcohol levels. But now I'm drinking um, gluten-free beer. So today... I got two kinds. I had six, <laughs> but I started too early today. <laughs> so right now it's Ringness of Oslo. It's, yeah. So uh, this is pretty cool Pilsner, which is um, gluten-free. And and the next one I'm going to open is the Hansa of Bergen. Yes. Uh, which is a uh, Mongo Alpa. Or IPA, we say in Norway. I don't know. It's, is it IPA or IPA? An IPA. So an IPA would be, yeah? Yeah, we call it IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is uh, IPA, mango flavored, which is really good. Uh, and the best thing about it is it kind of controls your drinking because if you have too much, uh, it's kind of like wine. You get a little bit more drunk than you plan to. So you drink a little more slowly on it. I had a couple of other ones, but I've been drinking for five hours. <laughs> So <laughs> this is it tonight. Is that one also gluten-free? This is also the gluten-free, yeah, because they, they, yeah, Hansa is the best beer. That's the burger beer. But in, in the Pilsner of the gluten-free, uh, Hansa is too a little bit too light for me. You know, I, I do like light beer if it's, you know, like Heineken and Amstel and uh, and uh, stuff like that. But, but the gluten-free one is a little bit... Uh, there, there's no taste. It's just like bitter, bitter but no taste. Awesome. So I'm, uh, that's awesome that there's options for you to enjoy beer still, yet with your intolerance. I'm going to be drinking a Third Moon Brewing's Super Metal Ass Brewery out of Milton, Ontario. This is born into this. It's a sour ale. It's a goza. A sour ale with lime, salt, and coriander. Uh, they always have the killer, killer metal artwork. I love them to death. It's so cool. Just over a year old, and they're they're doing so damn well. I'm so proud of them. And also, every time I see a green label on beer, I feel it. It has to be good for some reason. I feel the sour, <laughs> the sourness of the label, and I like it sour. Let me pour this out, and I'm curious. Uh, how did you discover that you're gluten free? Uh, that you're gluten intolerant? A blood test. Did, what, what, were you, what was your experience beforehand? Just bloating, feeling sick. Uh, what was life like before you realized? Because I, you know, we like to drink lots of beer, so I'm sure you were still drinking beer when you had these symptoms. <laughs> yeah, and, and I ignored it for a long time too. But um, no, uh, my ex girlfriend is into uh, nutrition and um, and that kind of stuff, and uh, and um, she was gluten free, and um, the 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 mom of my son. And um, I didn't want to listen. I wanted to drink <laughs> beer and have fun, you know. And, uh, but then, uh, then you know, it, things started to add up, you know, and and how I was feeling and how my life's been uh, energy-wise. So, so I stopped uh, for a long time. And when I got drunk and I said yes to something, then I then I started to feel it. So, so the, for, for me, the main the main topic is uh, loss of energy. And, uh, and, uh, well, well, for the gluten, I'm also, I don't eat anything with milk in it. So it's mm-hmm. always a two, two-sided thing, but 
the gluten is mainly my energy. You know, I've never been able to get up in the morning or I was the one who always came late for school and stuff. So, so, and at work, when I used to work, not like I do now, then I I was always the guy who fell asleep at lunchtime after a couple of sandwiches. So, yeah, so now if I, if if I have gluten now, it's like if, like gluten on a Monday is like a five five day binge of alcohol. Wow. I, I sleep for a week. Yeah, I can't get up. So well, I'm glad that you you discovered that and you know what's going on with your body. Yeah, I have to respect it now. So, but cheers, cheers, my friend. It smells amazing. Oh, I wish I had your beer though. Oh, it's subtle. It's not too tart. Salt is nice. The lime balances out. It's not too tart for a goza. It's really interesting. Born into this. Cheers. 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 Uh, let's talk about beer. Let's talk about your very first beer. Do you remember the first beer that you drank, Bolt? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, it was at this uh, party. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go into what kind of party <laughs> it was, but uh, I was 14. And I remember uh, all my friends were older, so they had bought beers. And I was like... I felt I was like dealing drugs because I took one of the guys out to the the, the uh, what's it called um, terrace or uh, the patio or the the outside area. patio yeah, yeah. and I was like yeah, dude can can I can I buy some beers from you and he was like yeah how much you want and I'm like oh, um, three <laughs> and he was like yeah that's cool and I bought three beers. And I got shit based drunk and I was, we went to the party afterwards, like the gala dinner thing. Uh, I was the youngest, of course, and I was the whole night puking in the toilet. <laughs> and from there, I never went back. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was cool. Well, what was your first experience? Oh, same experience I, at, a, at a high school party. A little bit older. I was probably 15 or 16. Uh, yeah. Far too many of them. Wild open house party with all my friends at that time. Oh. Great, great, great night. Um, shit, shitty beer, though. But... Uh, <laughs> That's that's what you have to start with, right? Uh, let's yeah, hear mine the- was the good Hansa beer in the really? small glass bottle we used to have, yeah. Oh, see, at least you started high, which is amazing. No, the beer was good. <laughs> I wasn't that good. <laughs> I want to hear about the, the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up in your parents' or guardians' house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Well... I grew up to 60s music. Uh, I just remember my dad was a musician in the 60s. And I always, when I woke up in the morning, my dad was blasting Elvis or Shadows or Rolling Stones. And I just remember always coming down the stairs. Just my dad was playing his Stratocaster, you know, playing his lead guitar to the songs. That was my youth, uh, 60s music. And I'm still a. Huge fan of the sixties today. So that's amazing. It's amazing. I love hearing musicians coming from musician families. It's awesome. Yeah. It's such a unique experience. Uh, how did you rebel, though? A lot of the times when we are too close to our parents, some things like for myself, my dad was a metalhead. He liked Metallica. So when I was growing up, I became really into new metal because there was no guitar solos. Anything with a guitar yeah. solo was my dad's music and it wasn't cool. So how, how did you find yourself <laughs> rebelling against uh, your father who was a musician? My, yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> my dad used to be a musician. So when uh, my dad is older, 74 now, I think. So my, my brothers are born like... 15 and uh, 18 years before me. Wow. Okay. So when he got, when, when he 
became a dad, he he was kind of like told to stop being a musician. Mm. So he had to become responsible. So my rebellion from my musician dad was to become a musician myself, <laughs> basically. Did he support it? This is a hobby. You can never you can never create anything out of music. This is a hobby. You have to get a real job and an education. I was against that. I if if people I see on MTV or 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 whatever, this is before YouTube, like you so people we see on TV are able to become musicians. Why can't we? You know? mm-hmm. So I, I never wanted to listen to like the you can't you can't be this, you can't do that. Of course, I, 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 my my job is not music anymore. It was, but uh, it's still, I wanted to I wanted to do what felt right for me. So, uh, so music is my life, and it doesn't matter what paycheck it gives. It it comes first or second after my son, of course. But we'll never give up music, and becoming a musician was my rebellion. Uh, without, I, I mean. The, the the consequence was rebellion, but it was never done to be rebellious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get what I mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't consciously done. Yeah. You just followed your passion. No. But now now my dad thinks it's cool. So, uh, yeah. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't understand the music. <laughs> he doesn't get the music, but was there a moment when he was like, okay, you did it. You did succeed. Well, well, uh, well I haven't succeeded yet, though. Nobody uh, uh, can you succeed unless you count people that succeed. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> you can always become better. You can always become bigger. You know, there's there's no end to ed- evolving in anything. You know, That's if hard. you think you're if you think you've finished evolving, then you die or you you're done. So just keep evolving. But now my my dad does respect what I do. He sees that I travel the world. People love our music or. I tell him people love music at least, <laughs> and uh, and you know, I, he, he's respecting it. He he asks now, how's it going? He's he's not asking, do they pay you? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that classic classic <laughs> question. <laughs> how much does it pay? Well. The, uh, anything they pay us, we drink. You know, <laughs> I want to hear about your first show. Do you remember your first show that you went to go see? First live music experience? Yeah. Um, uh, my dad, uh, some vacations in the 90s, he took me to Denmark uh, uh, with my mom, who used to live. And we went to, I remember my two first, three first, two first festivals and shows. So I, I don't really remember the, remember which one was first. But we went to, I remember we went to see Status Quo in Copenhagen. And then he took me to a festival to see uh, to see Len- Leningrad Cowboys. And that's an awesome band from uh, from Finland. They have like this long hair and the long shoes and everybody, everything is awesome. But they play a lot of really cool cover tunes, but more hard rock. And then the one that got stuck in my head was we went to a record store because I always had to follow my dad into record store because he had to like see if there was something new out he wanted, you know? So, uh, we went to a record store in Copenhagen and then this band, a punk band from Copenhagen is called strawberry, uh, strawberry slaughterhouse was playing a promotion show. And I was like, Whoa, this was cool. And I was like talking to the band and the band invited me. I was, uh, I think 11 years old. 
they invited me to come to see them at a festival in Copenhagen. That's so cool. Uh, Tuborg Festival. So so uh, my dad took me to see them. Uh, they took me backstage and it was really cool. You know, I was 11 years old, my Michael Jordan jersey and my red punk here. And uh, and the band after them was a band called Blue Oyster Cult. So I was on the first, like on the fence, looking at Blue Oyster Cult. And for me, that time, you know, the, the songs that we know today are kind of soft. But what I experienced there on stage was brutally heavy. You know, they even had uh, I don't know if it was like um, uh, Nico with one foot going faster, if it was double pedals. I don't remember, but. I was just, I just remembered listening to the bass drum, like, doo -doo 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 -doo. I never heard that in my life. And I was like, whoa. So, so after the show, I went straight back into the backstage and I found Blue Oyster Cult and I went straight to the drummer, like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life, you know, double bass drum or fast bass drum. And, and they, and he was like super happy to have me back there, like a young kid. So he introduced me to the whole band. I was hanging out with Blue Oyster Cult and yeah, so. That was that was the start, you know. Of uh, I want to be a rock star, you know. You're just backstage at eleven. How cool is that? Holy yeah, shit, that's amazing. Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's kind of cool. You know? Your dad must have liked that too. I think he liked it. I, I didn't look at too much at my dad. <laughs> How about let's go to your first time on stage? Yeah, one year after I was really? a drummer in a band at my uh, kiddie school. Wow. I was playing uh, drums with um, a band. Um, The guys were older than me, were playing like Creedence songs and stuff. And um, uh, what is kind of cool uh, for me with that show is that um, that was in front of, that was on our national day, 17th of May. My first show was in front of the whole school, all the parents and everyone was probably like six, seven hundred people there. I wow. To Creedence. And uh, uh, my mom died like within a month after that and oh, shit. of cancer and she was in front of the stage in her wheelchair like dying i got goosebumps oh. she saw my first show on stage and i i, I always kept that with me like um uh, she she saw she saw the beginning of my path wow and that, that always meant a lot to me of course were you playing drums when you went backstage at 11 were you already a drummer or did you become a drummer after meeting blue oyster cult no 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 i became a drummer afterwards so wow. I, the first thing i did because the, how can you play drums you know so i signed up for like the marching band at my school to just uh just to to be able to touch a drum set so i and i and every day after the practices two times a week My dad drove me and the whole drum kit back home. So I was sitting in my room playing these drums, just practicing every day, you know. And and then I started to learn, you know. Yeah. So I, I, singing was never a part of uh, of my plans. Wow. So imagine, imagine your dad didn't take you into that record store. Yeah. No, he took me into every record store. <laughs> and then you didn't meet that band, Strawberry Slaughterhouse. And, and then you didn't go backstage at that show. Would you be here today with me? You know, I love these these little paths of life. You know, like these these well we paths and lives. Uh, they're like everything. That's why I feel you, you can never regret anything bad you do because yeah. anything anything you do, bad or good, it it's it's a turning point leading you towards wherever you are today. You know, mm. of of course if. Some people should regret what they do, but <laughs> as long as you're happy with where you are today, you shouldn't really regret stuff. So I, uh, 
but becoming a musician was never an option for me. I I I, I was I was fascinated with drums way before that. You know, I, I used to build my own drum kits out of tin cans and casseroles Amazing. when I was a young kid. But but this was something else. You know, the, this it went from. Um, uh, cool to a fascination you know mm. so so yeah no I, I i would probably be the same still today but but um it did take something in me with uh you know the my first concert experience was that the backstage is open for you it's crazy so that always stuck <laughs> with me i never I, I never respected any boundaries or fences or guards i'm I go wherever I want, you know, always. <laughs> and, and a lot of people hate that, and, and I like it. It's, it's freedom. It's freedom. Uh, how about, you mentioned that the screaming was never in the game with you. It was never a plan for you to be an extreme vocalist, yet here we are, and you are an extreme vocalist, and you don't play drums. How did you fall into becoming an extreme vocalist? Oof. You know, metal was never a plan. Um, singing was no plan. I, I used to play drums, and then... I got bullied so much as a kid, uh, a little older kid, like 15, 16, uh, that my voice was so fucking ugly. I should just keep my mouth shut, you know? And uh, that bullying was kind of bad. So then I decided to uh, quit playing drums and start singing instead. Really? Give me a fucking microphone. So that was the first thing I did. I quit playing, or uh, I continued playing drums for a, a couple of years more, but but my focus became singing and playing guitar. But that was more, uh, today I would call it pop music, but it felt like hard rock then, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and uh, I did that for a couple of years, and and I think I was like, I think I was like maybe 20 when a metal band, needed a vocalist and they had seen me on stage playing around town with my pop band and they said we don't know if you can do metal but we want you to be our front man so it's like oh, okay i'll do it you know because metal for me was noise like i didn't like metallica i was too much distortion i i did like guns and roses but not metallica noise but of course there's there's thousand sides side stuff that we don't have to spend five hours on talking about but small stuff happened you know in my brain like Slipknot in 2002 and and uh, Sepultura and Pantera you know small stuff came in and put like small pieces in my brain to like there this is something you should follow you know but but when I as soon as I went to like rehearsal with them and and uh, I remember I always shared a we shared a rehearsal place with another band who were more uh, death, death, blackish death or whatever trash, trash black death, younger guys. You know, you don't re really know what you're playing yet. So they 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 were right before we were starting to rehearse. They played um, a Bloodline of Slayer, and I was thinking like, "Fuck, this song is cool. What, what is this? Uh, you should play it live. You should create something out of this. It's really cool." And they were like, dude, it's Slayer. And I'm like, what? what? What's Slayer? And then I started to listen to Slayer and I was like, okay, 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 I'm ready, I'm ready. So, yeah, I just, it was pure coincidences and, and it, it just escalated like 
crazy because uh, in my earlier youth, I didn't have anyone giving me any inspiration to metal, except my brother who, who desperately tried to show me metal bands. But <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fall for it before I did. <laughs> you weren't, you weren't ready yet. <laughs> I weren't ready. You have to, you know, uh, you can open your ears, but for metal, you have to open your heart, man. I toured with Blood Red Throne in 2015 i believe it was but you weren't there no man and that really sucks there was a period it was martin right his, his was the vocalist that was there at the time yeah that was that was the producer of uh, of uh, the gordon core uh, single um uh, that was when things started going bad with the festival i had uh blast fest and um I just told the guys that right now I, I need to fix my mess. You know, I, I can't uh, I can't commit how much you want me to commit. I'm ready to do live stuff, but they, they were in the, mid, in the start of recording the Union of Flesh and Machine album. And I said, like, I'll, I'll do all the shows. I'll be bold for you guys, but I have you have to give me a half year before I can start being creative and write new music. And they said, no. You can't have any time. Wow. If you're not doing the album, you're out of the band. Uh, I had the flight tickets to Maryland Death Fest, to Vakken. I was going to be with you guys. And I said, like, I really want to do everything. But just please give me to after the summer before I start writing. But nope. So uh, they had a great uh, replacement uh, at the time in Martin. And um, they did everything. And uh, right after the summer, they... Martin said that he didn't want to do it, and uh, the band asked me if I could come back. <laughs> so I missed I missed a lot of cool shows, and then um, he already wrote and recorded, you know, Flesh and Machine. So I respected him by keeping all his lyrics, and I re-recorded the whole album with my voice instead. Hmm. So that was that was a, like that was a needed. <laughs> A needed uh, for for me it was a needed break, of course, but 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 for us it was a needed uh, stick in the wheel, you know, just to see that we we're supposed to be together, you know. Mm-hmm. So you sort of got what you wanted in the end, but it must have been difficult. You got the break, but the band kept going without you. That must have been difficult to to watch and see. And the only thing uh, difficult to watch and see was that I felt when I saw on YouTube the shows, I felt like. Oh, I would have done it better. And nothing against Martin was a cool guy and a good vocalist and everything, but it was just, he wasn't me. Yeah, so I felt that, you know, Blood Red Throne is my band. Yeah, I came in 13 years after it started, but it's still my band now, as much as, as, as it is the other guys, you know, because... Yeah, of all respect to Daniel, it's his band, <laughs> dude. But, but 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 I've been there ten ten years now, and I, you know what I mean, right? Absolutely. Cryptos, Cryptopsy is your band, right? Cryptopsy is my band. I'm 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 not talking about. Uh, this can be misinterpreted. I'm not talking about ownership. No, we're not talking, talking about who's about, running the band. It's it's, it's, it's your band. Yeah, that's the band pride. you're in. That's the band you're. Yeah, it's your band. Yeah, so, uh, but everything since then has been great, you know. When they called you back, were you an automatic yes or did you make them wait a bit? <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was done being out, yes. Okay. Right away. Okay. I, but I did really enjoy the feeling of being free 
can can you imagine what I imagine if if you're in a point of your life where you don't really want to plan the next year, you know, because of you have too much going on and you suddenly have like oh, you're free. So it was a really good freedom feeling, but of course after three months it was like no, I want to plan the next eight months. I I want to I want to work on something, I want to build something, I want to create something. So so when they asked me to come back, that that was like the 15 minutes before I would send them an email like take me back <laughs> well I'm happy you're back you're, you're in your rightful place uh, that tour was fun That we had a good time but it would have been better if you were there no offense to Martin yeah no 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 this has nothing to do with Martin so but yeah I'm, it's I was really like bummed out to not tour with you guys yes of course uh, let's talk about what you are doing right now though we got Imperial Congregation that's coming out October 8th via nuclear blast congrats on that yeah thank you very much finally man massive label talk to me about uh this you know getting on nuclear blast it's a big accomplishment it's a huge fucking label uh great 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 home for blood red throne in my opinion um talk to me about this new record talk to me about um releasing a record right after as a pandemic is is dwindling uh talk to me about everything to do with that please yeah let's start with the huge thanks to nuclear blast uh daniel's been pushing on it for 10 years to, uh, wow. to try and get signed there we, we we've been with uh, really cool labels really cool guys uh, and girls pushing us you know but it hasn't been nuclear blast to put it like that you know <laughs> so so it's really cool to finally be at at that kind of level, leveled label. Also, of course, you know, uh, watching Dimmer Borgir uh, many years ago and like just seeing the Nuclear Blast logo and all these kind of music videos. Uh, when uh, this is before before YouTube, when you bought the metal DVDs and yeah. you just saw, you know, and you bought like a Roadrunner DVD and, uh, and watching Central Media and, and Nuclear Blast, you know, you, your dream was like, ah. To get there, you know. So my, my dream was always to be a nuclear blast. So so this is this is fantastic for like a personal level. So many friends are there already, but you have to put you have to push yourself to go off topic. You know, it, it kind of irritates me when when I talk to uh, musicians who are big or been big too long. You know, they they kind of lose perception and uh, respect for where they are. You know, they take. I feel they often take things for granted. Like, um, like if, if you meet this and that of rock stars uh, uh, and uh, and they're like, uh, no, just, uh, any, uh, just another day at the office, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, classic. And, and I say like, you know what? Talking to Dave Mustaine or meeting Black Sabbath or eating breakfast with Rob Halford or stuff like that, you know, you have to look back at being a kid, like listening to these guys. Well, not a kid for my sake, but, but still, you <laughs> felt like a kid when you were 20 years old. Looking back 15 years and just watching these bands, watching these artists and having their posters on your wall, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to appreciate where you are because so many of my friends who worked harder than me at the same time that I was a struggling musician before Blood Return wanted to be a rock star... They they're still doing the same, you know. They're still playing the local house and trying to like do something. And for them, it would mean the world to 
to hang out backstage with Carcass or Cannibal Corpse or whatever, you know. You have to really appreciate being able or being in a position to to be allowed to do that kind of stuff. I I feel so many musicians don't. They take it for granted because they are big too, you know. You understand what I mean? Absolutely. People don't appreciate yeah, okay. what you were touching on earlier where we're never satisfied, we're always wanting more. But when we do get these tiny little accomplishments, which are massive accomplishments, we should take a moment and, and appreciate it and, and be gracious. Our, our second single been out now for 24 hours. We already have almost 7,000 listenings on Spotify. Amazing. And I, I do know people who would have 100,000 now, you know, but I also have friends that would have 30 now, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, you have to appreciate where you are and what you managed to accomplish, you know. Respect the business and respect respect the struggle. Okay, sorry. Back to the question about uh, the album. Yes, signed to Nuclear, and now releasing it during a pandemic. Yeah, well, uh, signed to Nuclear Burst. That that I'm so fucking grateful for that. That's awesome, and I hope we can stay there for the next sixty years. We probably have a new boss in the band by then because Daniel will be dead. But I'm, and, uh, we'll all be dead. Okay, maybe 50 years. <laughs> yeah, releasing during the pandemic. I haven't thought about that. It's a little bit better now, though, versus if it came out last year. Like People are starting to tour now. You will be able to promote this properly. If you could put together a dream tour to promote Imperial Congregation the best, to put you guys this era, this timepiece of Blood Red Throne in front of a crowd, what band should be on that package to promote this album? I don't really care. I just want to go out and play for people. I don't care if we are headlining and Iron Maiden is supporting us. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just want to play for people. I don't care if they like it or not. You know, I just want to be on stage. There's uh, a perfect package. It uh, would be too difficult to say because for me, uh, touring is... Um, well, you have one part. I want to tour with bands I like. I want to tour with people I like. On the second hand, if I don't know the band, and if I don't know if I like them, that that's also a band I want to tour with because I, I love to get to know new people. So I don't really have an opinion. Of course, of course, <laughs> crowd-wise, uh, of course, I would like to tour with Cannibal Corpse because I know we would get a little bigger crowd than we would have today, but... <laughs> I don't have any requests. What about like the direction of the album? Is there something new on this? Every album that I've been on has been like really like different in in directions, but it's still always been like the groove of Blood Red Shrone. So it's still kind of been like the the same thing. We haven't we 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 don't try to do anything new. We don't want to try or want to we, we don't want to have anything new. We, we just want to do the music that we like, and that's a groovy death metal. Um, this album, for me, it sounds different. Also, this is the first album I'm like truthfully proud of. Vocally, um, vocally you're talking about. No, no, and, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, yeah I, have, I have to say vocally. Um, I was uh, I was satisfied with the other ones, but this one, together with the music that, they the guys created like my foundation of creating the both the lyrics and the vocal is i'm i'm really proud of what everybody did on this album it's it's really different we 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 went to stavanger uh, southwest of norway to record our music video 
And uh, that was the first time I met the guys in one and a half year. It was like three weeks ago. Wow! I haven't seen them since I haven't seen them since Mexico, and before the pandemic. Yeah, we all record the album at home by ourselves. You know, I'm I'm just sitting like this on my sofa with the vocal uh, microphones recording the album. Sounds amazing. Drinking. But then, uh, but. On the road back, you know, we were really hungover. We went to a biker bar <laughs> all night, you know, and I was driving back home with uh, with uh, the bass player and uh, and with Steon and Daniel, drunk as frook. Uh, and then I I was playing music, you know, I played like the country music in the sixties and stuff. And then suddenly I just I put on the new album. Uh, for fun, I put on the song we were doing the video for because we were so tired of it, listening to it for exactly. seven hours the night yes. before. So I, I just did that for fun and then put on song number one. And then it was song number two and three and kept going. And we were just sitting there like, damn, we really like this album, you know. And I really hope the listener will experience the same because this this is a really good album. It has so many like intelligent uh, levels of musicianships in it. You know, my vocals are my vocals. I don't know how good it is, but but just the the talent of my musicians. You know, I I wouldn't be in any other band. They're just so damn good. That's amazing to hear. I'm excited to hear the whole thing. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hobsons? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I do want to talk about last time we were together was at Blast Fest. Uh, you mentioned it a little yeah. bit before. Uh, very cool festival. It started in 2014, ran till 2017, but 2017 had to be canceled. Yeah. That must have been just the shittiest of shittiest days. Talk to me about that day where you make the decision that you have to pull the plug on this. I didn't. It wasn't you, okay. I didn't make the, pl- I didn't make the decision. I, I didn't know before it was made. Really? So, so no, the thing is, uh, you know... Nobody has nobody asked me questions about this. They all took it for granted that they thought they knew. They're, they, they, nobody's ever asked me what what happened. Oh, good. So if you want to talk about it, I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah, I would love to talk about it. Um, well, uh, first of all, Bath was started in uh, September 2013. Okay. I was really drunk in an Irish pub, and I just suddenly said, "I want to make the biggest indoor festival in." Uh, no way and uh, without any disrespect to the big festival that uh, festivals that already existed but 
I wasn't that aware of them because I was so new into metal, you know. I didn't actually visit those festivals. I went to the last Hole in the Sky festival. Uh, I worked there on, on the stage and I, I loved that, you know. So it was kind of in the spirit of that. That festival got cancelled or, or they stopped doing it. So I just wanted to make something new and fresh and... Five months after, I had 33 bands on stage and everything went great. Uh, it went a little bit uh, minus on the budget. I, I did it without any help or money or anything. I just risked it on, I risked it on, the, on the ticket sale. Wow. And, uh, I had Triptigon playing, uh, headlining the first festival together with My Dying Bride. Yeah. And, and Tom G. Warrior, he came over to me and said... Uh, uh, everybody told him to not do this festival. Nobody knew who I was and nobody heard of this before. And he was, he, he told me like, uh, nobody wanted him to do it, but he said, let's give this guy a chance. And he did it and uh, he was super happy. And and all three years I heard like from 99.9% uh, .9 of the bands that this was, the, they never experienced a better festival and uh, everything was you know, uh, everything I did in BlastFest was how I wanted it to be as a musician myself. That was the foundation of everything. I want to be picked up at the airport, driven, driven there, get my food, be picked up there, have somebody taking responsibility of me and just tell me what to do when I do it and just fix everything for me. And I wanted to do it that way. Exactly what happened with us. And I, I went, that was the same experience for you as for the headliner, as for the bottom band on the poster every band should have the same experience of of of, of, of yeah not catering but catering you know you know what i mean so uh, second year went in a plus i actually managed to make my festival everybody told me to uh, that i did it too big and everything and i was so stupid and i was naive and young and drunk and so when everybody told me to do it smaller i i said fuck you all and being a cool young naive guy and i made it twice as big at 11 stages in Bergen and everything. And you play that 11 stages. Yeah, you, you play that show uh, today. When I see the poster of Blast with 2015, that's like, what the fuck were you thinking? You know, that there's no, <laughs> no sane way of putting on a second year poster like that anywhere, at least in Norway or in Bergen, you know, it's so crazy. If you see the lineup, it, when you get down to the bottom, you have like still massive like big bands. bands. Yeah, yeah it's so <laughs> crazy. I was so stupid, but it worked. Then the third year, uh, I did 100% Norwegian lineup. Yes. Uh, that was just for fun. You know, I wanted to give my tribute to, to the black metal scene and Norwegian metal scene. And the shitty thing that happened was, I, in the same company as I did BlastFest, I also did shows all year round. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, yeah, and I had a couple of shows that really lost, like, big money. And then on top of that, I, I was one of the promoters for the Metal All Stars thing that became a big media thing with FBI and uh, the guy. It was a like a, the first tour was a real thing. The second tour was a hustle. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, so I, I lost uh, shit loads of money on that together with shows around the year and not being good with money or budgeting or anything. You know, minus there, they got paid still. And when they went around and after the festival, also I had a girl helping with me with uh, with accounting, you know, 
that I wasn't professional, so I didn't have proper dialogue with her. So she she started to pay all the bands, and when the money was out, she expected me to be professional and tell her now it's money coming in and so on and so on, you know. And I I was just like, oh, she probably has control, you know. So we didn't talk, and then couple of months after I found out from bands they hadn't gotten paid. Which is not the experience you wanted. No, no. And it's not that much in the in Norwegian money. I paid 11 million kroners to bands. Wow. There was, there was 200,000 kroners that didn't get paid. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't much in the big sense, but for, for those bands that, that was not getting the money, it was everything. So so it was it was my fault. I, I I should have been responsible and and I should have been on top of it, but I didn't know. And um, yeah, poor girls because she she got the messages, you know. Yeah. And I I felt so bad for that. So so yeah. So uh, so then friends of mine, business friends of mine, said that uh, let's we want to like uh, not buy the festival but take over. You're the creative mindset of it, but they're gonna run the festival. Yeah. So I was. I was head of booking, and I did all the the, the, the creative things, and and made my festival like it like what worked before. Because yeah, this is a sad thing. I will never get any recognition for this, but Blast Fest was a success. It was my choices outside of the festival that made it go down. It wasn't the festival itself. So that's that's a big shame. Um, so. They took over everything. I handled like the. I gave them the festival. Like here you go, and we worked together for a year. And they said, when when it's over, you get paid. I worked a year for free, and I booked a band. I'm gonna I'm not going to mention them, but they are one of my favorite bands. But I didn't. I was I was that naive. I didn't know not know that there existed a right wing and a left wing mm-hmm. world. I didn't even know, <laughs> and now I know. I, I never. I, I I was like always like I'm never going to listen to a word of politics. So I booked a band that apparently was on the right thing of right wing of politics. And then other yeah. bands jumped out, right? You're you're obviously talking about Pest Noir. <laughs> I'm obviously obviously talking about Pest Noir, which is one of my favorite bands. But you didn't understand the political stance that they have, or. I didn't know. I was naive. I didn't know. I loved the music. I figured this would be fucking awesome because they haven't played live in seven years and this would be just a fun event. I also booked Napalm Death, which I love, you know. And then Napalm stepped off the bill because they were on the bill. Yeah, but I talked to them too, you know. It's it's not much that much about that. It was the, the harassment from from certain audience mm-hmm. types, you know. So and I even got I even got like people I was even called a Nazi myself, you know, mm. for this. And I'm like, I I booked an iPhone, death and I booked Pet Noir. How am I a Nazi? I, I just I'm just naive, I'm stupid. So the festival was boycotted. And I didn't have too much good um, good faith, or you know, because I still owed some bands oh, money. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. But my, yes. my my thought my thought was to make another festival to be able to pay these bands. But for some reason, in the metal world, people are like, you shouldn't do another festival before you pay. 
But I'm like, how can I pay if I don't have income? So you have to continue to be able to make things right. (laughs) So this and that. And then, yeah, uh, three weeks before the festival, they told me like, push it. You have to sell tickets. You have to sell tickets. And I'm like pushing it. I'm pushing it, pushing it. I get to the office next morning to have a coffee. And they said, today it's canceled. Wow. I'm like, what? I just told all my friends to buy tickets yesterday. And today it's canceled. So then it was canceled. I didn't have anything to say about it. So I just created my mini last fest and said it was Blood Red Throne of Slut, Swedish death metal band and Monolith Death Cult from uh, from uh, uh, Holland. And uh, and we did uh, we did a mini thing at Apollo, a small record store in Bergen. Yeah, it was a, it was a big shame. It was a monster monster festival. It was really fun when i played it for sure uh it must be like did you mourn after you have this crazy drunk idea that turns into something huge and then it's just gone Mm. or was it a relief too no it was never a relief because i wanted to do it it was more it was more a pain you know because i lost my reputation i lost i never did this for money or fame i just i just did this because i wanted to create something for metal you know I, I honestly did this out of pure heart and <laughs> the words I was reading about myself and, and the things people were saying about me and how many friends I lost, uh, which apparently wasn't my friends in the start. No, exactly. How, how, how much shit we got and how many shows that didn't want to book my band, my brothers, because of this. Really? It was it was a big, really big struggle. I I, I got into uh, bad panic attacks and anxiety. I had to take pills to calm myself down. I it, I like I've always been a strong guy, but to to every day read that people hate you and that you are uh, just a piece of shit, and uh, you know that really took its toll of me. So that. At the same time, uh, I had a girlfriend in uh, Iceland, and um, I kind of, I kind of honestly just escaped to Iceland for two years. I couldn't, I couldn't face, I couldn't face people back home. It was really tough, and I never intended for anything bad to happen, uh, though it was my fault. But uh, it was really tough. Is that all behind you now? Do you think people will still remember you as the dude from Blastfest? No, yes, uh, yes and no. It's um, oof, uh, I never talked about this, so so it's it's uh, this is a real topic for me, you know. Um, yes or no? I do try when I meet bands that I don't know where I have them. I I actually just walk over and say like, "Do we have a problem? Do you really?" Really? Or, yeah, I, I tried it because I went through so much shit, and, uh, and it's because—is it because of the reputation of not paying bands fully, or because of the the Antifa? No, it was both everything, and also also if you if you start to feel bad and 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 you fall into something, then your own mind also makes things worse. You get anxiety for how you don't trust what you don't trust the smile suddenly. You know you don't that know true. if they are smiling to you and making fun of you that when you true. turn your back. That you is know? true. You don't feel welcome any anywhere anymore. It's really tough. So, so how how often does a band that you don't know when you walk up and you say that to them? How often do they say yes? We fucking hate you. 
probably never. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, to put it in order, I I spent my time in a mental jail, to say it like that. And I just found myself again. I grew strong again. And I'm stronger than ever today. I'm always fucking positive. And with my strength, I'm able to go up to people and say, like, like, how, what's the status? How are we? You know? And usually people just say, that was then, you know, I did it, it like last week was the last time. I did it earlier this summer. I did it before the summer. I did it this winter. I did it before Christmas. And, and it seems like everything is okay. okay. You know, I'm not saying everything is okay. There's probably somebody <laughs> watching this who says, fuck no, things aren't okay. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm still working my ass off to pay that debt, even though it's not my real debt anymore. It was a company, but I don't want to, I don't want to leave this world with debt on my shoulders. I want to fix it, but it takes time. Of course, you know, I, my, my debt is bigger than most people's <laughs> 10 year salary. Wow. But, but you can't, you can't fix anything in life uh, before you fix yourself. You know, you have to fix yourself and you have to get strong. And then you can start working on the problems that involves other people. So, uh, so, um, yeah, things are really great now. I got a lot of shit to fix still, but I'm doing great and I'm happy as fuck. That makes me happy to hear that, Bolt. And uh, yeah. just keep keep being you. Keep you know you you will pay back those debts, whether it be financially or relationship wise. I'm not the asshole that people think. <laughs> <laughs> You've always been nice to me. <laughs> Let's talk about Cheers, not man. being able to perform. Uh, for myself, I'm very lucky. I get to do these interviews. Uh, I get to fill the void of performing on stage with the podcast. How have you been filling the void of not being on stage? Well, uh, it didn't really kick in before December last year. And then um, I started... Uh, I was finished with my void was filled until December because of recording. Yes. After recording, I had the void. So then I was like really comfortable with my home studio to call it that. I use a free version of garage band and a cheap microphone. Whatever works. Yeah. It's not about the money. It's about the uh, attitude, you know? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I basically just, I was drinking and I started to record old tunes that I like, just like karaoke recording. And when I got drunk enough, I put it on Instagram. Really? It's, it, it wasn't good <laughs> by far, <laughs> but at least I felt I was like performing, you know, as long as I can make some people laugh or smile or say, fuck you, and then I'm happy, you know. So that, that went on for two months. And then, um, yeah, oh, I got into work mode, basically, just to, to uh, I concentrated on work and to fixing all my stuff. And, um, and that's where my head's been up till summer. So now I'm looking forward to hopefully touring like Easter or Christmas, no, winter, Easter, spring. It's I'm coming not, back. It's coming you know, back. I, I, I miss the stage, but I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the person that miss things like desperately, you know what I mean? I'm really looking forward to being on stage again, but it's not something I can fix. So if you can't fix it, don't focus on it, you know? Be in the, live in the present and focus on what you can do. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I focus on each day. That's yeah. great, great, great philosophy. It's something yeah. that I know that you guys are experts about because I have partied with you guys and uh, you're crazy. <laughs> lots of lots of hard liquor going down and uh, suffering the day after. Let's wrap this up. One last question. Classic wrap-up yeah. question. Um, you guys are experts at this, so you must have the secret. What is your hangover cure? Another day. <laughs> Another day. <laughs> There's nothing secrets. You don't. When you wake up and you feel like shit, you don't have any home remedies that you could share with us. As long as I wake up, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Bolt, thank you so so much having a chat with me, talking about your life, music, and craft beer, and being just so damn open and honest. I love love that very much. Everyone. Go get ready to listen to Imperial Congregation. It's dropping October 8th via Nuclear Blast. I'm stoked about it. Bolt, very happy that we got to connect today. Cheers to you, bud. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, was this a beautiful conversation. I had just so much fun hanging out with Bolt. As we mentioned, we haven't seen each other in quite a few years. It was very nice to catch up. Uh, I really enjoyed how honest he was, how open he was. I love that we touched on some things that he had never had the opportunity to speak about publicly. Very stoked about the new Blood Red Throne album, Imperial Congregation, which drops this Friday via New Nuclear Blast Records. It's a mammoth of a record. You should absolutely check it out. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. So please, please sign up to the mailing list because there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast that I would hate for for you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I will be back next week with one episode on Tuesday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.